future is now. And welcome to the SVK Crypto Podcast. 15 minutes of crypto value. My name is Charles Story. I'll be your host for the next 15 minutes. Well, scratch that. Today's show is going to have a slightly different format. We're trying something new. We're going to be doing every Tuesday a podcast focused on EOS. The title of this podcast is When EOS Rules the World. And my co-host is none other than Oliver Mayer, our in-house blockchain analyst. Hi, Charles. Uh, very excited for this new series. I think it's going to be a very, very... Uh value-add series to all the listeners out there who've been, who've been listening to our podcast for some 300 episodes now. Uh, and I think it's time for us to really, as a Block 1 VC firm, give our view on the, on the space and kind of update everyone on what's yeah. going on on Agreed. a weekly basis. Yeah, absolutely, dude. So why don't we jump straight into it? We have had a phenomenal journey so far. We've had unprecedented access. We've both spoken to Brendan Bloom. We've both spoken to Dan Larimer. We have phenomenal relationships with developers at Block One. So we've had a real insight into what's been going down so far in the EOS ecosystem, not to mention our great relationships with all the block producers. So it's really interesting our viewpoint on this, and I hope that people can find some value out of what we're currently seeing. So why don't we kick things off? What's currently happening? What's currently going down? What do people need to know? Absolutely. So every week there's so many different things going on in the EOS ecosystem. We want to try and curate the most interesting ones and bring you what's really relevant about those stories. So, you know, for the first one we're going to kick off with is a story that comes out of EOS New York. And EOS New York uh, are huge kind of thinkers in the space. They're very forward thinking. And actually we know Kevin Rose yeah. over at yeah. New York who, who has been very instrumental in, in kind of coming up with this new... Uh, Theory around the referendum, so currently in EOS, in order to get anything passed, you need to have 15% of the total circulating tokens. You need to have 15% of those, that, of those states and um, participating on a topic in order for them to be, uh, for a, something to be at least considered and, and implemented by the block producers. Now EOS New York have come out and said that this is a really high uh, barrier to really getting a lot of these referendum tokens in place. So. What we've had is we've had the ability now, for the last sort of month, we've had the ability for people to vote on referendums. That's a huge, huge deal for on-chain governance on EOS. However, we are not seeing the participation rates required in order to actually get anything passed. So, you know, we probably need about 80 to 90 million votes on any one topic to have it actually passed as a yes or a no. Uh, what we're seeing now is in the 20s, that's probably high. 20 million votes is probably quite good at the moment. Now, the thing is, when you have a, a referendum and someone votes no on it, the no vote actually goes towards the participation rate. So if you're against the topic and you're concerned that you don't want it to actually go over the 15% participation rate to even be considered, you won't vote at all. Right. And so your, your overall participation will drop significantly. And so we're, 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 we've been given the constitution that we have in the beginning when EOS was launched. Yep. And what we're doing now is we're trying to understand whether it's practical to continue ahead with this type of arrangement or whether it needs to, the 50, 15 out of 21 block producers need to come together to maybe redesign this uh, voting mechanism in order to enable the, the pro school to actually iterate and develop at a faster rate. Yeah, dude, and, and to add on to that point as well, this is really important because as a token holder, you have a say what happens. And that's 
really important. You're a community member, you have a say, you have a voice. So it's important that you vote on important issues that are happening within the network, which is why this is so important for all EOS holders and why something this is, this is, they should take point on this, yeah. right? This is, this, is, this is your involvement, right? Yeah. And this is something that you have to care about. And if you're not caring about it, you've got to learn about it, which is what we're going to do today, a bit of shed a bit of light on the situation. Exactly. So with regards to that, what's Kevin Rose suggesting? I mean, really, the, the, the suggestion from Kevin Rose is that there potentially needs to be a collaboration between the, between the block producers to come together and uh, redesign the constitution. Now, even if we wanted to actually take that particular clause out of the constitution and change it through on-chain governance, we would still need 15% of circulating tokens to do so. Right. So what is actually being suggested it goes slightly against the on-chain governance of, of, of everything being on-chain. And what right. we're trying to suggest is maybe the block producers need to come together to, to, to make this change without the entire token population right. voting on right. it so that we can progress this protocol faster. Yeah. If we wait for 15% of circulating tokens to vote on changing this particular part of the constitution, we might never get there. Because right. we're not seeing the participation okay. rates right now to get anything enforced. So I think it's an interesting topic. On-chain governance is, 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 is really, EOS is at the forefront of this and it's constantly changing. And I just thought that you know, it's really relevant to, to, to this podcast to kind of keep the listeners engaged on yeah. what's going on in that front. Dude, to add on to that point as well, what I find really important about EOS is that the community works together pretty well. And if you look at other different protocols out there, we're not going to mention any names. It takes a lot. Of, it takes a long time to pivot, mm. right? EOS has done a really good job of all the block producers pivoting and changing and implementing new strategies on how to better the the protocol and all the token holders within that. Mm. And what's your view since the launch? You know, we've had many different pivots there. How have you felt we've dealt of dealt of it as a community? Do you think, you know, we've done things right so far? Do you think we've made any mistakes? What's your kind of take? I think that uh, the, the EOS community has done an absolutely fantastic job of one iterating and constantly evolving the EOS mainnet. It's it's it was always about developing and and changing and updating when EOS was launched. That's why even from uh, the base level of smart contracts, the the ability to update your own smart contract is built in from default, right? Right. And so what we and I really feel like the the community has gone about things the right way. Let's take an example. The Rex, right? The Rex is a huge implement, a oh, huge massive. change in implementation huge. to the way that EOS will work. Obviously, with the ability to rent and you know rent out tokens and receive money for renting out those tokens. Mm-hmm. However, when we received the the initial deployment from Block One, instead of just uploading that to the block to the mainnet and having everyone vote on it and get it deployed, right. we did a series of tests, and yeah. I'm and I'm talking about tests that last thirty days because that is the longest kind of uh, renting period you can have on the Rex. And we had great work out of EOS Authority, the guys over there, Roshan yeah, and Rohan. Yeah. Um, and we've had some really good work from other security firms in the space. And we've found bugs. And we've told Block One about those bugs, uh, bugs and they've now come back and they've changed the, the yeah. source code. And now we're in a position where we can deploy the Rex in a completely secure and safe manner, which yes. I think is- I think it's super smart what Block One did. They're like, all right, we have, we have all the software we've been working on. Instead of just launching it out there and being wrong, why don't we give it exclusively to the block producers? You have, you know, a massive a wealth of knowledge on EOS. These are the guys who, like us, day in day out, are, are 
all things EOS iOS. They understand the protocol and the underlying strengths of it and get them to check it. Like that's such a smart way of doing business, man. Like it really is. And it saves so, saves so much time on their heart. Yeah. And, it, and, and once again, it enforces the view of that, the community, yeah. that this is a community driven protocol. Block one, don't drive the bus in, in, in a sense on this, on this oh, EOS, right? Yeah. This was launched by the community. And so if anything's going to be upgraded, it better yeah. be checked by the oh, community as well. Massively. So I think that's a really better point. Yeah, I completely agree with that. All right, so let's talk about VRAM. Yeah, so there's a really interesting project coming from an ex-Bancor team called the DAP Network. And so VRAM is a an idea that the DAP Network have, have come up with to really reduce the amount of stress on the EOS mainnet. So right now, if you're a DAP, you're storing your hot data, which is data that's accessed very, very regularly in your EOS RAM. And you're also storing your core cooler data, which is data that's, that's really kind of more storage and it's accessed a lot less regularly. And what we're seeing is that that is very cost prohibitive because what mm. you're doing, well, each DAP is not only having to buy a lot of RAM on the mainnet, but now they're taking up more RAM on the mainnet. It makes it more expensive for everybody else who wants to get involved and buy RAM because of the way the bank or algorithm works. What the DAP network is suggesting is a, is a layer two network which has an independent network of nodes that essentially provides VRAM storage for mm. all dApps that want to store data that is you know, being accessed a lot less regularly. Yeah. It makes sense now to, to store all of your most important logic in yeah. your smart contracts on the mainnet, but everything else that's a lot cooler can be moved over to the DAP network. And I think this is going to be a really an mm. interesting idea. One of the, 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 the first concern I had is right how are they going to make sure that that layer two network is decentralized enough this is the most important thing and i think this is something that we're going to see come to fruition and on kind of in their roadmap and how they decide to execute it right but the actual idea right i think they're, they're very well, on point with this it's bigger than that right because with with d apps which you're talking about right decentralized applications what what, who, who's behind those? Well, it's developers. Behind every great, great protocol out there is a great community of developers. And this is something that they need to enhance their ability to create cool stuff on, on the network itself, on the underlying blockchain. So this is something that's really in need by developers and something that Liquid Apps is addressing, which is super, super interesting and super smart that they've pointed at that mm. and something that they're going to execute upon. And now, as you said, there may be a few concerns of how they actually do it. But the case is that the developers need this. Yeah, I mean, the overall idea is is right in the strike zone for what we need to, to really push the EOS IO protocol to the next level. Um, it's key to understand where developers are struggling and actually and actually implement technologies that will help them to iterate and, and create the next generation of dApps. I think that not only do Block One do that very well, but also the community understands that and they do that very well. Mm. Um, yeah. what, what, what the vision is, let's look at the vision here for this kind of project. It's, it's enabling a whole new class of decentralized applications that were, were not possible before because of how expensive it would be. Right. I mean, roughly... It is, I mean, it's a, it's a, almost like maybe, depending on the RAM prices, it can be one gigabyte can be up to like 150,000. 
like dollars, which is a huge amount. Yeah, it's not that much like yeah. storage. And that and that's that's not enough storage to really to really uh, house any serious yeah. D app. Like let's talk about social media apps. All of the data that each user would have to store that would have to be a case. So, you know, if uh, any smart securities, yeah. augmented um, universes, all of these types of yeah. applications are going to gaming re- are going to yeah. require yeah. an extensive amount of, of storage, and so. With the the current situation is one kilobyte of uh, RAM is it entered into the market every block produced. So the 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 RAM network is growing, but I I think it's growing sl- too slow because the whole community mm. of D apps is growing massively. Well, yeah, dude. Let's not forget what happened in the, you know at the beginning of the launch of the of the EOSIO mainnet, dude. Like the the RAM prices went through the roof. People yeah. who held RAM were making serious money. What did it go up to? $20? Yeah, I mean, $20 I, per, yeah, per, per kilobyte? Per kilobyte. Yeah, it was... Like, a, it was through the roof. So a lot of people made a lot of money in a short space of time. But yeah. obviously people want the longevity of that. But, like, the quick trade on that was through the roof. It was, yeah. like, 200x at one stage. Like... So it was it was it was an unbelievable trade, but more importantly, it, it identified an issue, an issue, yeah. and and that issue was kind of solved within the next kind of one to two weeks. Yeah. That's that's the kind of yeah. development time yeah. we're looking at at the moment. And by the um, way, like when you have like prediction markets and you have games looking to build upon the EOSIO blockchain, they're going to need storage yeah. or store their their data store their hardware like store all this great technology that they're building somewhere and it's better to do it on chain i think that this it's it's a really interesting um idea like i said we need to see how they deploy the network the other thing we need to be aware of and we always are especially at svk crypto is that block one are also probably aware of this right and we know that in the white paper eos io storage was something that was mentioned yeah hasn't been executed yet but it's certainly on their roadmap and this EOS IO storage, which is based on IPFS and would be embedded yeah. on the mainnet by the mainnet block producers and backup producers, yeah. could solve this issue as well. So I'm 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 aware of it, but I'm, but it, at the same time, it's all about who gets there first. Do you, do you think that if the block producers are making steady headway on this, that block one would drop it, or do you think they would also carry on their progress as well? Because by the way, let's give people a bit of color on this, Oliver. Block one aren't just sitting there. They have around 150 developers in Virginia with Dan yeah. Larimer spearheading lots of different initiatives yeah. Yeah. on the underlying protocol. Like, that's really important. Mm. And as you're kind of saying, they're developing the stuff they mentioned in their white paper. Mm. So guess what? If it's in the white paper, you need to make sure they're not, <laughs> they're not leading the way on it because you're competing with Block 1 and they're going to yeah. win. And, I, and, I, and that's exactly what I'm saying. I think there's a lot of room in this, in this ecosystem for multiple different uh, strategies, but I'm always... I'm always aware that if ever Block One generate something, they're going to embed it at the lowest level of the tech stack. Yeah. It's going to be so ingrained in the EOSIO right. protocol that it will be the easiest to use. So yeah. I'm just aware of that, but it's a really cool idea, and I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops. Yeah, I, I am too, dude. And the amount of applications that we could see from that and the future potential is just yeah. like through the roof. For sure. So um, the, the next story I wanted to roll on yeah. was to uh, Diffuse. So okay, yeah. Diffuse Talk about this comes out of EOS Canada, yeah. and uh, we know the guy um, guys over there very well. Mark, who's who's like one of the co-founders of EOS Canada, yeah. um, is they are one of the, probably the most one of the technically proficient yeah. block producers. From all the out block there. producers that we talk to, you know, everyone gives the credit from a technical standpoint to EOS Canada. Yeah. I mean, right? they're very, like they've done very some impressive. phenomenal stuff. In- Super impressive team. Really nice guys. In fact, when we were mentoring here in London Town at the EOS 
hackathon, we had the honor and privilege of hanging out with those guys a little bit. Indeed, I we mean, did. They were, they were cool guys. And what was great about actually, just quickly to touch on that, the 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 London hackathon. First of all, was the I believe before before San Francisco, London had all of the the block one developers down there. Oh, they brought everyone, everyone down for that show. It was the flagship. It was a flagship show, yeah. like it was. And we, we got a chance to meet, obviously, all the impressive team over at EOS Canada, as yeah. well as all the impressive Block 1 developers, and really get an idea and a sense of what they're up to, you know? Oh. Um, as well as that, we had Shane mentoring. Uh, sorry, yes. Shane was a, was judge. a judge yeah. at, the, at the, the hackathon as well. So we kind of got to see that from every angle, and uh, it was super impressive Dude, to we see. we were hanging out with Dan Larimer. And exactly. Shane was sitting next to him. Shane went for lunch with Dan Larry and Brendan, right? But we were hanging out with Dan. Yeah. And by the way, he's such a cool guy. Like, he's so modest. So down to earth, yeah. What an awesome dude. Yeah. Super knowledgeable. Um, but what I really wanted to touch on was Diffuse Search. So if anyone's not aware of what Diffuse is, they're, they're, it's the ability for um, dApps to query the on-chain database to query certain actions mm. and, and, and Block One have something similar but Diffuse are doing it to a level where it is so easy for developers to get involved. They can spin up an application and they can start pulling data off chain really quickly. Is this free that they're doing it, it for? It's completely free. Right. Yeah, so this is one of those block producer initiatives where it's you can get a free API key if you go into their Telegram yeah. and you can start utilizing it straight away. And they're constantly iterating on it. So Diffuse have just uh, launched a live search. So usually when you're searching for actions on chain, yeah. you can only see ones that have been um, are part of the last irreversible block, LIB. Right. Right. And the last irreversible block occurs 160 to 180 seconds after the block is right. actually right is actually sent out and propagated, right? So when you're looking to actually to build an application and you want to have instant access to the data, you might actually want to see uh, blocks before the last irreversible block. And this this latest um, this latest iteration and update from Diffuse, which is called Diffuse Search, now includes wow. The so let's let's kind of round that up. So when the blocks going around all the different block producers who are mm -hmm. verifying that blog and yeah. before it becomes immutable yeah. and on chain yeah. they have access to basically see what data is going into that blog yeah. like live like li wow. live and it gives the the ability for the developer to create actions around that data right. to give feedback to the user so they don't even know that they're <laughs> using a blockchain application it's wow. instant which is so really the user cool. the user interface on that is seamless yes it's really cool and, and one of the first um uh, implementations of this is actually within their own block explorer. I'm not. There's a lot of block explorers out there, um, but EOS Q is one of the best for like really getting a detailed idea of what each what, what each transaction is involved in. So mm. if you go on EOS Q, you'll see that transactions that have a padlock, which is unlocked, are actually um, they're, they're, they haven't been immutable and they haven't passed that last irreversible block yet. So you're seeing that data as quick as it comes so through. So what's the benefit of that? Like I understand how cool it is, right? Mm. So you no longer have to look at previous blocks to understand what's been going on. So what's as a developer, like what's the value add in having live feed on current blocks that are filling up? Like. I think that the, the biggest value add that developers will see from it is just having the information at their hands to basically provide live feedback to their users. Right. So rather than having to wait 160 seconds for an update to to, tell, to let your user know that X, Y, or Z has happened, which they would never would they would never wait that long in a centralized application. They're now they're now able to give updates 
almost instantly, which really gives a much okay. better user experience. Or puts them in a, a better position, right? Absolutely. To, to relay that information. And by the way, let's talk about the initiatives block producers are doing. Not just EOS Canada, but all mm. of them. Like, mm. it's such a great system whereby you have different block producers. I think there's over 400 block producers, including standby. Yeah. You have 21 who are running the network, yeah. right? Yeah. And with those block producers, they're trying to get people to vote for them. So what they're doing is they're creating really cool value-add features for you, the token holder. So EOS Canada's strengths, as you said, were technical-based. They're creating really cool technical applications for people to use to get votes. Awesome. You've got um, EOS42 doing a similar type thing here in London town. David Pack, we know him really well. He comes to all of our events. Mm -hmm. You know, they're doing some really value-add things with, with like Chintai. Chintai, yeah, which is which huge. Is and huge. I'm sure we'll get onto that in a bit. And then we have Rob Finch from um, Cypherglass doing kind of promotional type podcast, value-add information on YouTube. Backing the, the PIX EOS as well. You yeah. know, they'll be helping those guys yeah. out. So it's um, really interesting to see how everyone has their own value-adds and works together. Massively. I mean, it, it, even to include in that list what EOS Authority do, a lot of the times when updates come out on the chain and, the, and you're waiting for the 15 block producers to accept it, they have this thing on their website where you can click onto it and you can see all the updates and you can see who's voted yes to, to actually implement yeah. it, which is really cool. That's awesome. Um, and you know, that's one of the best benefits of on-chain governance is that it does, especially when you when you make vote buying uh, you know, illegal in terms of EOS, it's, it's, it's in the constitution that Renting. <laughs> you're not allowed to buy votes. So instead of buying votes through monetary you know, ways, they actually create value, value. add to yeah. the network. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, you know, that's a real positive that- For everyone. For, for everyone involved, yeah. So let's talk about EOS links. Um, who's, the, who's the guy who runs EOS Link? Oh, of course, it's Fred Kruger. I'm actually, we've, we've met Fred Kruger a few different times over here in London, um, where he didn't make it to presenting to the judges. In, in San Francisco at the Hackathon, he actually made it as one of the finalists. I believe he went on to uh, South Africa, but I've had, I've had many discussions with Fred, he's a super knowledgeable guy, mm -hmm. uh, really respected in the industry as well, and I believe EOS links have been up to some pretty exciting stuff. So what's been going down? Yeah, so stable coins uh, are something that are required on all these, all these networks. I think that you know, when you have a lot of these decentralized applications and they're using their own token, which has a variable value and they want you to pay for things with that token, it just doesn't really make sense. So we need stable coins. And the first EOS IO stable coin comes out of a team called Carbon. Uh, Carbon have actually already launched on Ethereum, but they've now launched their own fiat backed, which is key, fiat backed, EOS IO stablecoin, so it's not algorithmically um, stable, it doesn't have, it's not a collateralized position, it's fiat backed, which keeps it simple, everything's audited, we've seen lots of examples of this, like the Circle one, the Gemini uh, stablecoin, yeah. you know, even Tether, they're, fi they're fiat backed, and this is the simplest and most reliable way at the moment to stabilize, okay. to have a stablecoin. You know what right? I'm going to ask, right? What? How how do you know how many dollars they have in the account? You know what I mean? Like, how can we prove that? Yeah, I mean, the way that Carbon is proving that is they're having weekly audits from their auditor. So there'll be audits on chain, there'll be audits in the bank to prove okay. that each dollar that is in the bank, there's a token re replicating that on chain. Yeah, and with these guys, like how much, how many tokens do they have? You know, how much money are they saying they have in the bank? Uh, at the moment, they've only just launched it, so at, those numbers aren't out. I haven't seen those yet. Right. What, what I have seen is that the implementation 
into EOS links is virtually seamless. It's nice. this is the this is probably the coolest part about the project. They're gonna get they're gonna gain a lot of traction at the moment, but right now we're just in the implementation phase. So EOS links essentially creates and the ability for someone to put their bank details in, send a hundred dollars right. to the carbon bank account, right. and receive within we're talking within within kind of minutes here, receive a hundred tokens, a hundred carbon tokens, which are backed by the hundred dollars they sent to that bank. Right, and for those who don't know, like EOS Links is a wallet, yeah. right? They're one of the biggest wallets on the EOS network, which means as a wallet, they hold a lot of EOS Correct. for their customers. So it makes a lot of sense that there's a way to um, get out of the volatility. Well, they, so, they, so EOS uh, holders using EOS Links can essentially sell their EOS now right. for carbon tokens yeah. and they can, or they can buy carbon tokens and sell. And this is using, by the way, DEX EOS, which is uh, one of the decentralized exchanges. And this EOS, is inputted into their all, wallet. All in the oh, back end. So awesome. think about the, the workflow that you've saved there. Instead yeah. of having to go to Coinbase, buy yeah. Ethereum, right. go to Binance, yeah. buy Ten EOS, months. you know, sell it oh. and then buy EOS and then, and then eventually get to carbon, you can do that straight from the app now. Nice. Um, so In-house. This, this, and this is huge because now what, what it allows people to do or other other dApps can now start supporting the carbon token and you know it, the, the on-ramps are super easy and the off-ramps are just as easy. So I think that it uh, provides, not only does it provide EOSI with a stable coin, but it provides a really, really easy way for people to get involved. So quick question, like when you're selling EOS, is it looking in at the price that EOS is currently trading at? Because that, that's going to take a while for the turnaround, right? Like, so if I send, let's say, 100 EOS and EOS is at $2, so $200 worth of EOS, does that get locked in straight away or am I waiting and open to volatility? While it gets locked in at the very time of conversion. So at the time that it converts and it actually switches over. And now remember, we're talking about half second block times here. So if you send your transaction to, to Dex EOS within half a second, it's going to get executed so we're talking about half a second of volatility right. but at that moment right. of actual uh, exchange is right. the price that right. you get so you very it is, this isn't like a 15 minute block time where you have a huge amount of time right. to wait that. yeah okay cool so I think that's that's a, that's a really a really positive news when did story. that come out uh, and that came out on the 1st of February so wow. you know that's, uh, that, that's, that's some huge, huge news there. so we spoke about EOS and yep. if you're talking about EOS you're talking about sidechains yeah, I mean, listen, EOS IO is an open source yeah. protocol. Anyone can take the EOS IO protocol, change it how they'd like, and launch their, their own side chain or sister chain, as people are calling them. And Warbly did just that. And, and Warbly is actually one of the most established sister chains out there. Um, now, what happened with Warbly is quite interesting. So they're a KYC chain, it's a permissioned blockchain, so it's a very, slight, it's a very different angle to what EOS IO is trying to achieve. But anyone who had an account on EOS could essentially uh, register their account on Warbly and, and open an account on the Warbly blockchain and receive some tokens like an airdrop. Traditional airdrop, but they're calling it a share drop. Now, recently, what happened with Warbly is that they're really looking to embed strategic partners at this time. And the strategic partners were struggling with the fact that the circulating supply was constantly changing because right. they wanted to understand how much resource how much resources they would need to run a, run an application. And because Warbly tokens are resources on the network, like EOSIO tokens are. Right. They could have the 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 amount of resources they would need are constantly fluctuating. So what's happened here, and this is quite interesting because Warbly announced that they would stop doing their share drop early. But not only did they announce they would stop doing it early, they said effective immediately 
the share drop would end. So they haven't really given token holders any time to actually, and anyone who's still left who did it, who couldn't get into the airdrop, they haven't given them time to act, act on that. So it's an interesting move. Usually we see a lot of a lot more community kind of word go out before right before the airdrop would end, but they've decided it, it, that it was best business practices to end it immediately and actually start working on strategic partnerships. For so, they, the so they didn't do any of the share drop. So what the the actual statistics are that around eighty percent of the of the Warbly share drop went ahead. And then Warbly decided that anyone who had wanted to get involved had would have got involved by now. So what really went down? So Warbly had got involved with a strategic partner who were only willing to participate in the Warbly network on the basis that they could understand that the Warbly network would have a fixed supply. Obviously, with the airdrop, the supply was continuously going up because people were, you know, getting involved. Um, so really, that was the main motivating factor around shutting down the airdrop early. Now, shutting down the airdrop early is is not a big deal in itself. No, no. But one thing that that is a big deal is that anyone who wanted to get involved and maybe they hadn't yet they had no opportunity to because this was effective immediately and essentially from the day of the, the, the medium post where they cancelled the share drop, you had 72 hours in order to actually get your Warbly account open. Now what people might not understand is to create a Warbly account because it's the financial district uh, of the EOS IO protocols, you actually need to go through KYC and KYC can take quite a bit of time. So if you begin the process, as soon as you see that they're, sh they're ending the, the share drop, it may take you longer than 72 hours, and, and in which case you won't actually, um, you won't receive your uh, Warbly account with the tokens that right, you have right. on the EOS mainnet. So, so let me ask you a question. What's your view on sidechains? Do you think they have a place? Do you think, do you think they're going against I, EOS? Or do you think they're building and growing EOS as a whole? You know, I, I, I really do think that in the big picture, long term, side chains and sister chains will make a lot, a lot of sense. And they will be one of the main factors that help scale the EOS IO protocol uh, into perpetuity. And I think that it's, it's highly required. Now, obviously, into blockchain communication is still being developed. Actually, Boss Chain have, have, have developed on their chain, but as regards to actually IBC being launched on the mainnet, we're yet to see it. However, when I see projects come in to us that are using a side chain of the EOSIO mainnet, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really, really excited straight away because what, what that means is that you have to have a sufficient level of decentralization. That takes a long time. Mm. The EOS IO mainnet had a one-year token sale, and the main reason for that is because delegated proof-of-stake consensus mechanisms require a, a, a large dispersion of tokens. Now, you can argue that you know, 10% of accounts hold X, and, and, and we can right, do that. But right. the, the, the truth of the matter is that the, the, the EOS ICO was the biggest and best distributed ICO of any well, ICO on Ethereum. a token generation event, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was the most uh, widely spread dispersed 
ICO on yeah. Ethereum. And, and, and so you really need that in order to have a fair decentralized system. And you know, when it comes to setting these things up, um, who sets them up? When you have a side chain, it's usually the company who wants to launch that side chain that, that ends up operating the majority of the nodes on the network right. for a long time. So I am bullish on side chains long, long term, but right, right now I think we okay. should all be focusing on the main net. I think that's where the majority of the development should go down. And I think there's still so much more we can do with the main net before we even need to get to. I agree, dude. And, and by the way, like as you as you pointed out, that if you are going to have a side chain, you need people to run that. You need block producers. You need mm. momentum. You need activity. Mm. And if you don't have that, then it's a centralized chain. And that's something I agree with as well. Yeah, exactly. Great. Well, listen, dude. Um, this is an exciting show. We're going to be doing this every Tuesday. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule for making it on. I think it's going to be really exciting and I think it's going to be really valuable for the listeners out there to kind of see our views and our takes on the market and our kind of input and what's really going down on the EOS IO protocol. And um, I think the title of the podcast is its best, When EOS Rules the World. When EOS Rules the World. I think this is going to be, like you say, a very, very uh, value-add series for all the listeners out there. We're excited to be doing this every Tuesday. If there's any projects out there mm. who are building on the EOS IO protocol and they'd like to get in touch with us, then please do. They can get through the usual channels, right, Charles? Yeah, I think for the usual channels, Telegram, SVK Crowd. You can email us, uh, or you can email me, cstory, C-S-T-O-R-R-Y, at svkcrypto.com. And of course, hit us up on Twitter, because that's a cool function that you can do, um, at svk underscore crypto. Um, something I really want to say as well is, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, you've got some value out of today's podcast, something that's going to make myself and all of us smile, something we'd be really appreciative about, is subscribing to the show and leaving a nice comment if you enjoyed today's show. So listen, with that in mind, that's a wrap. And we've got a bounce. Woohoo!